Welcome and welcome back. This is Ludmila with Logical with LY Law. To recap, in the previous segment, we discussed due diligence in purchasing properties from the perspective of the buyer. In this segment, we'll discuss due diligence from the perspective of the seller. In relevant terms, there are about 18 relevant issues that sellers of properties in the UAE should consider prior to entering into a transaction with the buyer. Number one is one of form of contracts. Depending on where the property is located, in some places, for example, in Dubai, there are certain standard contracts that are issued by the land department, which parties are required to sign. In those examples, or in those cases, parties need to decide whether they only want to proceed on the basis of those standard contracts. In the case of Dubai, it's a form F between the buyer and the seller, or if they want to add also private contracts, often referred to as addendums, to the standard contracts. Number two, it is important to consider at the outset whether the seller is an individual or a company. If the seller is an individual, it is a much simpler transaction than if the seller is a corporation. If the seller is a corporation, it is important to obtain all the proper corporate documents authorizing the transfer of property at the outset. And obtaining these documents and the timing required to do so should be factored in into the transaction early on. Number three is the price. The seller should consider what price they want to sell the property for and how that price should be paid. Number four is the buyer. The seller needs to do the due diligence on who the buyer is, whether the buyer is individual or multiple individuals, or whether the buyer is a company or corporation. If the buyer is an individual, it's a simple transaction. If the buyers are multiple, then all the documentations must be addressed with that in mind from the outset. If the buyer is a company, once again, it's a much more complex transaction because it is important to establish the authority of who is entering into the transaction on behalf of the corporation, who has the power to sign the document, and in particular, who has the power to pay. Number five is the form of payment. The transaction could be done as a cash transaction or through a mortgage. If it is through a mortgage, then the seller needs to factor in the timing that is required for the buyer to obtain the mortgage and the documentation that will be required by the bank throughout the transaction. If the payment is made in form of cash instead of a mortgage, then on the day of transfer, the seller will be expected to receive a manager's check. Or if the value of the property is not so high, then the payment can be made by cash. In the event the payment is made by cash, it is very important that the parties obtain proper documentation evidencing that the payment has been made. Six is the seller's mortgage. The seller should, at the outset, find out from their own bank the conditions for repaying that mortgage early on. That's one. And two, the seller should also find out from the bank the process for settling the payment vis-a-vis transfer property 
and the documents required in connection with this. Number seven is timing. The seller should clearly indicate the time by which he or she wishes for the property to be transferred and any grace period applicable, if at all of interest to the seller. In the event timing is of the essence, it is very important that the seller specifically states so in the contract and clearly specifies that timing is of the essence and is therefore a material term of a contract. And as such, in the event that timing is not met, this constitutes a valid ground for the seller to terminate the transaction and request a penalty for breach of contract. Number eight is whether the property is rented. The seller should clearly consider how they wish to deal with the renters in the event the property is rented. If the property is rented, then they should give a 12 months notice to the renter to vacate the property on the grounds that the seller will be transferring ownership to a new party. Number nine is representation of the seller. In many cases, sellers wish for someone other than themselves to represent them in the transaction. They may wish for someone to represent them in the transaction prior to the day of transfer, or they may wish for someone to represent them all the way through the transaction and through the date of transfer. Depending on how they wish to be represented, they need to ensure that there is a valid power of attorney that will allow their representatives to do their job properly. That is to say, if they are being represented on the basis of a power of attorney that is issued in the UAE, that power of attorney has to be very specific as to the specifications of the property. And in fact, in Dubai these days, should a seller want to be represented on the basis of a power of attorney, they need to bring an original title deed to the notary on the day of issuing the power of attorney so that the notary can include the specifics of the property in the POA. And if the seller wishes to be represented by someone all the way through the transfer of property, then the power of attorney should specifically state that their representative has the right to accept payment on their behalf. Number 10 is the role of a broker. In the UAE, there is no law that requires for the broker to be involved in helping the seller sell the property. Often, however, parties are being told that the brokers are required. That is not so, and therefore, should the parties wish for the brokers to be involved, it is up to them to discuss the terms of that relationship. Similarly, with conveyancers. There is no law that requires for parties to engage the help of conveyancers. Once again, often statements are made suggesting that conveyancers are an integral and obligatory part of selling the property in the UAE. That is not so. Conveyancers can be helpful in the event the seller is not in the country, but generally most of the responsibilities that fall on conveyancers can and should be performed by brokers if brokers are involved. Number 12 is the list of fees that is involved in selling the transaction. It is important that parties discuss those fees early on and decide on who is going to be covering those fees and when. Some examples of the relevant fees are, one is broker's fees. The parties need to discuss and address in the agreements who is paying the broker's fees, what those fees are, and when they should be paid. 
The other fee is the Dubai Land Department transfer fee. That's in Dubai, a 4%. Other Emirates have similar transfer fees. The parties need to decide early on and express the state in the agreement who will be paying those fees and whether they will be split. In Dubai, for example, the law mandates that the 4% fees are to be split between the seller and the buyer. In practice, however, buyers are expected to pay the full 4%. Recently, though, the parties have been agreeing more often to split the fee 50-50. The other fees are related to NOCs. NOCs refer to no objection certificates, which has become a term of art in the UAE. But for the seller to transfer the property, the seller is required to obtain a number of NOCs from different parties, such as the developer, the utility providers, and any other maintenance or management companies. The parties need to address the payment of all those fees in the agreement and any applicable refund. For example, service fees are often paid in advance. And therefore, if the property transfers hands before the remainder of the service fees are paid, then it may be that the seller is required to refund some of the service fees to the buyer. So the parties need to address this issue early on and work out a mechanism by which the refund will take place. One of the other fees refers to property inspection. Recently, property inspection has become more common, and that is property inspection by hiring formal property surveyors. There is a cost to it, and it is for the parties to decide who wishes to cover that cost. One other fee, which is a new fee for the parties to consider, but an important one, relates to VAT. VAT applies to commercial properties. Therefore, if a property is an office, then the parties need to address the payment of VAT very early on. Recently, FTA has introduced an amendment which allows for the seller to be exempt from paying VAT for commercial property if it is rented upon the transfer of ownership. This issue is very important to address and document specifically at the outset. Number 13 is the bias conditions for going ahead with the purchase. Sometimes buyers wish to make certain conditions be contingencies for concluding the transaction. In most cases, it refers to, for example, mortgages. Another example is a state of the property. If a buyer makes obtaining a mortgage a specific condition to proceeding with a transaction, the seller needs to clearly address that and understand the repercussions of such conditions. Similarly, if the buyer makes addressing certain property issues a condition to proceeding with a transaction, the seller needs to clearly understand what those conditions are how to remedy them, by when, and what happens in the event those issues are not addressed timely. Number 14 is the deposit. Requiring a deposit from the buyer to sell the property is not mandated by law, but it has become a common practice amongst the parties. In most cases, the sellers request a deposit of 10% of the value of the property. Once again, this is not mandatory, but contractual. In the event the seller wishes for a deposit, it is very important that parties clearly 
discuss and address in the contract the amount of the deposit, the form of the deposit, and the conditions attached to the deposit. Number 15 is the termination and default. Parties need to address very clearly upon which reasons they will be allowed to terminate the agreement or withdraw from the agreement without penalties and which grounds constitute a default, therefore allowing one or the other party to request compensation. Usually compensation is paid by way of a deposit. It does not have to be that way, however, so therefore if the parties want specific compensation, they need to clearly address this early on. Number 16 is the handover. The parties need to agree on the handover date and the handover specifics. By handover, I mean the handover of keys for the property, access cards, any other statements of account or original documents related to the ownership of the property or maintenance of the property or the service fees of the property. So whatever the handover documents or items the parties expect, those items should be discussed early on and preferably included in the agreement. Number 17 is the transfer date. The parties need to understand clearly when they wish for the transfer date to take place, include that in the agreement, and clearly specify what is expected on that transfer date. In other words, there will be a payment of the price, there will be a, a payment to the brokers, there will be a payment to the land department, there may be a refund of service fees, and there could be a handover of various documents and items. So therefore, it would be very helpful for the parties to include in the agreement what is expected from both of them on the day of transfer. And number 18, and the last item on the list, is one related to dispute resolution. And that is, in the event the parties have found themselves in disagreement, they need to address where the dispute may be resolved and any other fees that may occur as part of the resolving the dispute but more importantly, parties need to understand the costs of proceeding with the dispute and do a balancing analysis of whether it is worth for them to file a case or whether it is better just to walk away and look for, in the case of a seller, a new buyer. This concludes our segment on the due diligence of selling property in the UAE. Once again, there are 18 factors for the sellers to consider. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week. We will be talking about application of VAT to real estate transactions in the UAE.